just to give you an understanding of what the mind is it's not it's just something that is covering us and it's not us you see so the uh, just like the sensual pleasure of the body is um, very uh, we've, we've talked about before how the the pleasure of the body the sensual pleasure cannot fully satisfy the living me you understand so similarly the Pleasure in the mind, mental stimulation, mental happiness, mental pleasure. Uh, it does not go very deep. Uh, the mind can be uh, excited about things and it can be uh, experiencing some. Uh, good mood uh, can be um, feeling the mind there's many feelings passing feelings that go through the mind and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's it's not so good um, but the the happiness of the the soul of you the living being um, is the is what we're interested in it's not like it's not like when the soul is happy the soul you the person can be happy and the mind is happy that makes the mind happy that has the effect of making the mind satisfied making the mind um, happy but trying to make the mind happy independently of you being happy uh, is um, not very possible. Um, this is what uh, most uh, books we read, um, self-help books, most, uh, what? Anytime you go to a psychologist, they're into this. They try to make the mind independently happy with, and they neglect the living being inside the, inside the mind that's, that's encased by the mind. 
So uh, the psychologists will try to make us uh, think, just try to artificially think happy thoughts, to think, uh, look, think positively, you see? And the idea is that if I think positively, if I force my mind to think about happy thoughts rather than negative thoughts, then this will have the effect of uh, making me happy. So, uh, it's like an... Actually, in order to really be happy, for the soul to really be satisfied, the soul must experience uh, happiness. You, the living being, must experience happiness. And then the mind follows. The mind will automatically be satisfied. Because the mind is always after happiness. It's looking for happiness, looking for satisfaction, for pleasure. Um, uh, but there is one real solution, one real way to actually make the mind pacified. And... Um, completely at ease. This is actually called, the, called samadhi. When the, when the mind is completely fixed upon the object of meditation. This is called samadhi. When it's 100%, all mental activity is gone. Just like um, the, 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 the soul is completely in union with the soul. It's completely focused on this object of meditation, this object of love. This is the condition known as samadhi. And then this is how to actually tame the mind, to, to make the mind uh, satisfied and really happy. Now, the mind is looking for pleasure in all sorts of different ways. Sensual pleasure, mental, you know, mental pleasure. Like... Uh, you know, reading a book or watching a movie, always um, looking for some kind of stimulation, some pleasure. Uh, but you, the soul within the body, the, are actually a spark of God, which means you're a spark of love. The essence of God is love. The very essence of God is love. He wants your love, and he loves you, and he he's per, he permeate he ex, he exudes love. He is he is love personified. So, you, the person in the body, is also like that because we are just like a drop of water um, has the same qualities of an ocean as the ocean. Uh, so the spirit soul has uh, the same qualities as God, but in minute proportion. But still, the, the living beings, their essence is love. That's why everybody craves love. Nobody can live without it. It's the one thing that people um, all have in common. They all want love, and they all want to be loved. This desire may be covered up, but it can never be covered up for for so long, for too long, this is the, um, no matter how many times we get heartbroken in this world, still the desire for love doesn't wane, it's still there, everyone needs love, they have, they're jaded, they lose faith that they can achieve it, 
But still, that doesn't take away from the fact that they want it with the whole being. So, uh, the reason is, the reason is we are like this is because we get it from God. See, this is His nature. This is also because we are sparks of God. It is also our nature. So, in, our, in the deepest core of our being, what we need more than anything else is love. So, uh, while we are searching for this, we're searching for actually what everybody wants. This is what they want. But just like when light goes through a, a prism, of, it appears in many different colors. You see the one clear white light, when it goes through a prism, it appears as many different colors. Mm -hmm. So this desire, the soul's desire for love, um, when it goes through the prism of the mind, it comes out in all kinds of different desires. So we try to satisfy this longing for love by all kinds of things. Uh, we, may, we may know it or we may not know that this is the case, but it's actually the case. We try to find it in so many things. This, we basically try to substitute our desire for love with uh, the variety of um, uh, offerings in this world. From money, sex, uh, experiences like this. It's all, it's all actually due. The original cause of this desire for pleasure is the desire for love. So, uh, the... This is our essence. We are love particles. <laughs> we are love. Actually, this is who we are. So just as we are spirit soul, we are also um, love uh, particles. We are love spirit souls. So we have this desire to love. Now, in this world, we identify ourselves as our body. We think I'm the body. Uh, then we try to find this love. We try to satisfy it in this realm, in this world. And actually, if you look about, it's very sad. Uh, we need an ocean of love, but we barely get a drop. Uh, this is why everybody needs, they, they try to forget about it by drowning themselves in alcohol and uh, doing all kinds of frivolous activities, useless activities, playing bingo and um, all kinds of stupid things. The reason they do it is because they want to take their mind off of their loneliness. They, they desire, the loneliness is the lack of love. It's lack of feeling love in my heart. So, uh, they, they try to forget about it, drown it out, uh, replace it with all these frivolous activities like bingos and cards and uh, these interests, you know, many, so many interests interest in cars and interest in traveling and these different things. Um, and so, uh, this trying to, um, without knowing this, without knowing that I am the spirit soul and I am the uh, part and parcel of the supreme spirit soul and then my, my natural uh, activity is to be loving, engage in this deep loving relationship with the Supreme Soul, with Krishna, with God. This is my 
because I, this is who I am, this is my natural activity, my actual, my actual um, reason for existence. But not knowing this identity, uh, I try to satisfy this desire for love in this realm, in this material world. Now, there, there's only, in this world we have kind of temporary panaceas, temporary uh, like band-aid solutions. We can experience this, if we get married for example, if we're, lone, we're single, and we have this desire for love, so we find a wife. And this has the activity of, it's like a substitute Krishna, a substitute God, you see? So we, instead of placing our love for Krishna, um, love on God, on Krishna, we place our love onto this, uh, um, this form, this woman. Uh, and it, it temporarily gives us a sense of, um, it appeases this desire for love a little bit, you see? But it's a substitute. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a real substitute. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't completely uh, satisfy the desire to love and to be loved. And, uh, as I said, it's temporary. It only lasts for a certain amount of years, at best. And then it's finished. And then what, happen, what happens is, is that the, the person becomes left all alone. And then, uh, because they haven't really satisfied, they haven't um, uh, fixed the problem permanently, uh, then they, they suffer. The, their object of love has gone away. Now they're lonely again. So, when the person places their love onto God, it is not the same uh, experience as when somebody places their love on a person in this world. People usually think that, you know, uh, if I place my love on, you know, people say, oh yeah, I love God and I love my wife. I really love my wife. My wife is my life and soul. Uh, that's my main really where my heart's placed. But I also, you know, they say I love God too. Um, but uh, this isn't real, uh, this is not what I'm talking about. When I, what I'm talking about is when someone gives their whole heart, their whole mind, everything to God, their whole life to God, um, out of love, the experience is so much deeper than the experience of love in this world. It's not less, it's much more. Because it's the natural condition of the soul to experience that, uh, that love with this person, with God, uh, the soul illuminates with all kinds of uh, blissful emotions. When you, when you place your love on a woman in this world, you don't get blissful emotions. Immediately you start suffering. There's always anxiety. You get some, what's, what people in this world call bliss, but the yogis who have actually tasted the love for God, they know that's not real bliss. The real bliss uh, is when you're swimming in an ocean, not 
getting a little bit of a drop of water. You see? But it's like that. It's an ocean of happiness compared to uh, the drop of water that you get from loving relationships in this world. It's much deeper, much more intense, much more um, consuming. And uh, once having a little taste of this type of uh, happiness, uh, you know there's nothing else to be had. Everything in this world is a waste of time, um, comparatively speaking. So, uh, now, those people who have not tasted this ocean of happiness, they're still trying to, they're, they're, what they're doing, they, they have their love placed on a substitute Krishna. A substitute God. So they're wondering why they're not fully happy and fully satisfied. Why, why their heart, their desire for bliss, for happiness isn't there. So what they do is they engage in all kinds of mental gymnastics. They try to uh, uh, make it so uh, their mind is happy with the little amount of water that they're drinking, you see? They're trying, to, they're trying to do some gymnastics here, and this is a psychology, you see? So, the real uh, happiness of the soul is to be immersed in this ocean of happiness, an ocean of love. Not to be um, trying to get it in this world. And, and definitely not See, what happens is, when, when a person is immersed in the ocean, their mind is satisfied. Their mind is, there's, no, there's no need for trying to imagine something that isn't. There's no need for mental tricks to uh, bring about happiness. There's no such thing as positive thinking in yoga. It doesn't exist. Positive thinking is for those who are Drinking nothing. They're, they got their mouth full of sand and they're trying to imagine it's water. You see? But mental trickery doesn't exist in the realm of yoga. Because people are experiencing, the people that are tasting, drinking from this ocean of happiness, they're experiencing something real. Therefore, there is no need for the mind to imagine it's something that it's not. Okay? So, when, you, when someone says, happiness is all in the mind, it's not. You know, in this world, you have people that are uh, trying to experience love from, uh, with other little sparks of love, instead of going to the ocean of love. And because they're not satisfied, they come up with these... Uh, sayings or these they, they try to do these mental gymnastics and try to imagine that they actually are drink, swimming in an ocean when they're just uh, uh, trying to get a drop from a, a taste of a drop you know mm -hmm. so because they're only they're, they're, they're getting so little they need to do some mental tricks in order to make themselves think that they're not mm -hmm. but the real yogis they're experiencing something that needs no mental uh, 
gymnastics, you see? Because it's a, it's a happiness of the heart. It's a happiness of love. You can maybe have a taste of it if you... A small little taste of what I'm speaking of is when the... And of course, this isn't a perfect example because in this world, it's not like that. But uh, when the teenage girl and the teenage boy have sparks, you know, the sparks fly, you know? And both are feeling great excitement and they feel like they've struck a great fortune, right? Uh, there's no need for them to imagine, you know, it's not a fake, right? They're experiencing it in their hearts. They're feeling very fortunate, very happy, right? There's no need for mental gymnastics here to make themselves think they're thinking a certain way, right? Because they are, right? It's real. So just like that, the yogi is experiencing this real connection, love. The connection is love. Just like the teenage boy and the teenage girl. They're experiencing love. So there's no need for mental imagining myself to be happy. You see? The mind is automatically taken care of by that, ex by that experience. It's not that it's the mind plays tricks and then uh, the soul follows. No. No. So when we speak of yoga, we're speaking of a very real experience, a very real connection between uh, the soul and the supreme soul, the soul and its cause, God. So this is, this is a very, this, this experience is, is beyond the mind. It has nothing to do with the mind. We focus our minds, in meditation we focus our minds on the mantra, right? But this is not meant to end in the mind. If you practice it regularly, then what happens is, uh, you start to experience more and more a happiness within, in your heart, you see. And this overpowers the mind. This happiness overpowers the mind. You know, Krishna, he plays his transcendental flute. So whenever those, uh, in the spiritual world, there's um, cows. Just like there's cows in this world. And the cows would be drinking milk from their mother's teats, right? And they would hear the flute and everything would just stop. They would just be completely immersed in the happiness, the blissfulness of hearing Krishna's flute. You see? There'd be no more mental activity. It's just complete immersion in this, uh, the sound of Krishna's transcendental flute. And it's, this, this is because of the love they have for Krishna. So, uh, um, this is not a cheap happiness. It's not cheap. It's not easily attained. Uh, it's not something you can attain by uh, mental trickery. Uh, but uh, you can attain it if Krishna gives it. If God gives it to you. So it's a matter of your desiring. It. You can, Krishna, God can give you love for Himself. He can help, he can help you taste. He can, he can make it so you taste it. It's up to Him. So it's, it's our business to um, want it. And if we want, we shall receive. <laughs> if we don't want, then we, we, won't, we won't get it. So it's our, our 
sincerity, our desire to experience this uh, is, the, is everything, really. It's the most important thing. So this, when we practice chanting, we practice meditation, singing God's names, um, what happens is, is that uh, our hearts become purified of this uh, mental uh, contamination, trying to be happy in this world through, the, through our mind. And more and more, uh, we, experience, we, we experience the desire to taste real happiness, and we, desire, we end up tasting the real happiness because of our desire for it, because we want it, you see? So really, in the beginning, especially, the, the practice of meditation uh, increases the desire to taste this kind of happiness. And then as this, as this happiness, uh, as you desire to taste it more and more, uh, by God's mercy, He lets you taste it. And as you taste it, then you lose interest in everything else. <laughs> That's the natural effect. Because the, the happiness of it is so great. Okay? And it's far beyond the mental trickery of the, of this, the, of the psychologist. You see? Okay, so we'll chant a little bit more? Okay. All right.
Thank you.